0: The Apartment Store A Story for Christmas Written and read by Tobias Sturt Chapter 5 A Proposition Ivy was in the Olympic when they got back downstairs, talking to Dor. You're not the only ones having an eventful day, said Dor when he saw them. Ivy's been fired. I was late, she said. I didn't even realise I was late. Apparently I'm always late. I didn't even realise that either, to be honest. I told them I'd been waitressing in Paris, and that was why, but I don't think they believed me. Actually, I don't think they really understood what it was I was talking about. I'm not sure I did either. So anyway, they fired me. Oh no, Ivy, that's our fault, said Lydia. I'm so sorry. Oh, I was pretty terrible at it, really, even when I wasn't pretending to be terrible at it, like this morning. I mean, I didn't even have to pretend that hard, and I was pretty terrible, wasn't I? I think they'd been thinking about it for a while. I mean, it sounded like he had this whole speech all prepared and everything. I'll just have to find another job, I guess. Well, maybe we can think of something, said Artie. What do you think, Mr. M? Hang on, said Dor. In the shop? I mean, I'm sure Ivy could do the job, but someone's already doing it. Me to be precise. We are expanding the store, said Mr. M, grandly. Expanding? said her father. Where? I thought we were already as big as a town or whatever it was. Certainly feels like it sometimes, squeezing down into that storeroom. Upstairs, said Mr. M, in the apartment. We are going to make a Christmas... what is the word? Grotty? Sounds about right, said Dor. Grotto, said Lydia, getting cross. He meant grotto. More of a department, said Artie. A special christmas department we're a department store now door looked at them quizzically and ivy's going to be santa claus our new neighbor is going to be an elf mr krampus will help me i hope to start the new department mr m savored the word like it was a treasure well look i wasn't expecting anything mr m said Artie. but i'd love to of course i'd love to Isn't this the most beautiful moment? I'd forgotten this, this moment when things are starting, when an idea is just emerging from its chrysalis, so to speak, stretching its wings, trying them out, revealing its true glory. How could I not love to? You certainly land on your feet, don't you? said Dor. Why do you have to be so mean, said Lydia suddenly. Just because you've never done anything but sit there reading magazines and thinking you're being funny. We've had a proper idea, and it's properly exciting, and all you can do is be mean. Just because you don't ever think of anything doesn't mean other people can't. Other people want to make things and do things, and not just sit around. You're so irritating. Lydia, said Ivy. Hey now, said Artie, that's uncalled for, Lydia. To be honest, that's pretty mean itself. And all that I said earlier about the Olympic and the people who come here, that goes double for your father. None of that could happen without him. Who stocks the shelves? Who makes the sandwiches and makes the change? Who makes this work? And without him here welcoming people, talking to them, making them laugh, what kind of place do you think this would be? Would this be so large without him? Nothing works without people like your father. Your idea won't work without him. Dor was looking at Lydia with a steady gaze. She avoided his eye. "'I'm so glad I have a use,' he said. "'So am I,' said Mr M, who looked uncomfortable. "'You work very well here, Dor.' "'Thank you,' said Dor. "'But we expand and get bigger,' said Mr M, "'trying to get the conversation back onto happier territory. "'And that means we need more people.' "'And that could mean you, Ivy,' said Artie. "'What do you say?' "'What I say?' said Ivy, is that if you think I'm pretty terrible as a waitress, you should see me work in a shop. I mean, I'm awful, just awful. I worked in a dress shop once because I thought, I'm studying fashion, you know, I should understand the experience, you know, the sharp end, the buying and selling, and I was purely awful. The dresses were horrid, all horrid fabrics and cut so badly, and the poor women, they look so, so sad, you know. A dress is supposed to make you look good, to make you look you, like the best you, to make the you you are inside, outside, if you see what I mean. And they just look so sad and wrong, and I'm afraid I told them so. I mean, when I thought to, when I was paying attention. The rest of the time, I kept getting distracted, kept thinking of ways to improve things, but they didn't want to know, they didn't want new ideas, and they didn't like me telling people the truth. They fired me too. Ten days, she added triumphantly, like that was a measure of success. This won't be a dress shop, Ivy, said Artie, patiently. "'No, I know, but what I think is,' said Ivy, remembering what it was that she thought. That ought to be what I do, ought not it? I mean, that's what I'm studying and that's what I love, you know, looking at someone and seeing how they can make them just shine, you know, just glow. And I think that's what I should do. I mean, Mr. M is making his apartment into a shop and what I think is, why stop there? Why just Mr. M? I mean, that's what I do in my apartment. I've got a cutting board and a mannequin and a machine and fabric, so much beautiful fabric. So what I think is, why not a fashion department too? So that's what I think. That, and you should be nicer to your dad, Lydia. A fashion department, said Artie. There's an idea. A fashion apartment, in fact. An apartment store, said Lydia. (laughs) An apartment store, said Artie. An apartment store. Now that's a thought no one has ever had before. I like it. The bell rang, and the door to the store opened. It was George Joseph's sweet. He was wearing baggy shorts out of which his wiry legs stuck like baguettes out of a shopping bag. He had evidently been running as his flannel top was soaked with sweat and he was mopping his forehead with a towel. When he saw them all gathered around the till, he stopped and looked as if he was about to run straight back out the door, but Lydia's father stopped him. George Joseph! How was the park? Need a drink? Uh, yes, yes, just water, please. Hi, everyone. He looked round nervously at them and swallowed. Hi, Ivy. Hi, George Joseph, said Ivy. "'I hope I didn't disturb you when I got back last night.' "'Oh, I went straight back to sleep,' he gulped. "'I mean, uh, no, not at all.' "'George Joseph, just the man we need. "'Allow me,' said Artie, passing him a bottle of water from the fridge by the door. "'You need me?' George Joseph sounded suspicious. "'What for?' "'We need your help,' said Artie. "'Did my ears deceive me this morning, or did you mention that you are an accountant?' "'They didn't. I mean, you did,' said George Joseph. "'I mean, I'm an accountant, yes.' "'George Joseph does our books,' said Mr. M. "'He is very reliable and honest and useful.' "'I'll say he is,' said Artie. "'A man who brews coffee like that is not a man to cook the books. "'To tend them, yes, cook them, no.' "'I am pleased to say,' said George Joseph, "'that I have never been party to any impropriety. "'Financially speaking,' said Ivy. Uh, but for "'Financially speaking, y- yes,' agreed George Joseph. "'Then yours is exactly the help we need,' said Artie. We have a plan, Mr. M has a plan. I am expanding the Olympic, said Mr. M. Upstairs, we get bigger, we get more business, we get more business, you get more business. Well, yes, I suppose, said George Joseph. You're expanding upstairs, into your apartment. So am I, said Ivy. Right next door to you, George Joseph, I'm going to open a fashion department, apartment, whatever we're calling it, and I need your help too, we all will. I'm hopeless with figures, not people's figures, I mean, not bodies, bodies I'm absolutely fine with. I know what I'm doing with bodies, making clothes for them, you see. Uh, But numbers, that kind of figure, not so much. I do absolutely need the help of someone like you, of you, in fact, I'll be right next door. Well, uh, of course, I mean, that's what I do, said George Joseph, but I'm not sure I understand. A fashion apartment? An apartment store, said Artie. That's what we're calling it. It was Lydia's idea, and it's a terrific one. I've spent all day meeting extraordinary people in this building, and I think anything we do together will be extraordinary too. I'm so glad you want to join us, George Joseph. So am I, said Ivy. Aren't you? Well, yes, thank you. Uh, Thank you for asking me, I guess, said George Joseph. But what does Mr Krebs think? Now, there's a question, said Dor does Mr. Krebs think? What's it got to do with him? snapped Lydia. Mr. Krebs is the building supervisor, Lydia, said her father. I don't know whether there are any rules about running a business from your apartment, but if there aren't, Mr. Krebs will write some new ones, I'm sure. It's a good point, Dor, a good point, said Artie. We should talk to him before we get too carried away. Do we have to? Lydia was hoping that she wouldn't have to, at least. She was more than a little scared of Mr. Krebs, who always seemed to be the person who disapproved of whatever you were doing, or had banned whatever it was that you had done, and who generally seemed to be in charge of stopping anything interesting or fun breaking out. We should talk to Mr. Krebs, to be sure, said Mr. M. I would prefer it. Dor is right. It's always best to get everyone on your side to start with, said Artie, so they can't throw a spanner in the works later on. And Mr. Krebs has a whole basement full of spanners, said Dor. There was a moment at the bottom of the basement steps when it seemed that none of them, not Artie, Mr. M., Ivy, and certainly not Lydia, wanted to knock, but finally Artie could stand it no longer. Mr. Krebs opened the door warily and scowled out at them. He was wearing the same worn and stained overalls that he always wore, but they were now covered with a light dusting of sawdust that had settled on his shoulders like snow and edged all the seams with a bright golden trim. What do you want? Who is it? shouted a voice from the apartment behind him. Lydia, who had never dared to come to Mr. Krebs's own front door, had forgotten that his mother lived with him. According to her father, Mrs. Krebs was ill and couldn't walk well and consequently never left the basement. "'The new guy,' shouted back Krebs, and a couple of others, and the little girl. "'What do they want?' said the voice. "'That's what I'm asking them,' said Krebs. "'I'm asking them that.' "'Then what do they want?' insisted Mrs. Krebs.' Stop asking, and I'll ask them, said Krebs. And he turned back to the deputation at his door. What do you want? We'd like a quick word, if we could, said Artie. We want your opinion on something. They're selling something, shouted Krebs over his shoulder. What is it? said the voice. Is it anything we want? It's us that want something, called Artie into the apartment. We want your opinion on something. I'll give you an opinion, said Mr. Krebs menacingly. Then come in called Mrs. Krebs. Show them in, Stanislaus. Show them in. Mr. Krebs glared at them. Just five minutes, said Artie Stan, I swear. Mr. Krebs to you, said Mr. Krebs. You better come in. Lydia tucked herself in behind Artie as they filed into the dimly lit basement, trying to find safety between him and Mr. M. She peered into the shadows, expecting the worst. Piles of yellowing newspapers, perhaps half-eaten tins of food covered in cockroaches, empty beer cans and spider's webs, damp corners and too many cats. Instead, she found herself standing in a neat and cosy little living room. There was a dainty little sofa and a coffee table with a neat stack of magazines on it and a small pot of flowers. There were pictures on the wall, mostly photographs of a small, serious-looking boy who, she realised with a shock, was probably Mr Krebs himself and in the corner was a high-backed armchair in which sat a tiny old woman, propped up among cushions, a reading light on beside her, and an electric fire burning in the grate. Well now, who do we have here? Lydia could see immediately that she was Mr Krebs's mother, but there was a fierce glint in her eye that he didn't have, something shrewd and interested. It's a long time since we had visitors, isn't it, Stanislaus? Have a seat no one made a move to sit down otto krampus madam Artie made a little bow and presented his hand to shake i moved in this morning up at the other end of the house right up in the attic i know stanislas told me all about it an interesting turn of events i think she looked at Artie quizzically and then mr m i know of course i'm ivy said ivy who couldn't help herself giving a little curtsy. Ivy Wong, I live on the third floor, directly under Artie. That's Mr Krampus, you see. He said to call him Artie. It's kind of a nickname, I suppose. He didn't say that to me, said Mrs Krebs, shooting Artie a glare. And you must be Lydia. I have heard a lot about you, Lydia. Stanislaus tells me everything. Lydia felt all the blood drain from her face. She looked down at her shoes. But now you were going to tell me something, Mr. Krampus. She turned back to Artie. Please, call me Artie, said Artie. You see, Mrs. Krebs, Mr. Krebs, the four of us, well, more of you include the rest of the M family and Lydia's father, we have been talking, and we have an idea that we would like your opinion of. Are you sure? asked Mrs. Krebs. You might not like it. You strike me, if you don't mind me saying so, as a woman of perspicacity and insight, Mrs. Krebs, and I suspect that your opinion would... Archie stopped and cocked his head on one side, looking at Mrs. Krebs. A woman of perspicacity and insight. I've said those words before. A retirement presentation. Sales department. 20 years ago, perhaps 25 even, I'll remember the name, i never forget the name, not once, Regina. Regina Novak. "'You used to work at Krampus.' "'Under my maiden name,' said Mrs. Krebs, smiling a sly smile. "'I did wonder if you would get it.' "'I never forget a name, and I never forget an employee,' said Artie. "'Faces I'm not so hot at, otherwise I would have recognised you immediately, "'as you haven't changed an iota.' "'Neither of you, I see,' said Mrs. Krebs, still smiling. "'Only an address, I'm afraid.' said Artie, smiling now too, still Otto Krampus through and through, still selling dreams. "'Is that what you've come to sell now?' asked Mrs. Krebs. "'A dream?' "'Of course.' "'What else is there to sell?' said Artie. "'I'm serious, though. What is it that Oscar Wilde said?' "'All of us are in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars.' "'Now this building is far from being a gutter, Mr. Krebs, far from it. "'Well-maintained, warm, comfortable for the money.' But I think we can all agree there are no stars under this roof. But why should we give up on that glitter, on that glory? Why shouldn't we want to shine ourselves? We might not see them yet, but there could be stars shining in this building. Look at Ivy. She has talent, she has ambition, and not just for herself. She sees how her talent can help other people. How something that seems so ephemeral and trivial as fashion can shape someone's self how they see the world and their place in it. What does Ivy need to shine? A place to work, to see her customers, to sell them their dreams. This building could be full of stars, every apartment shining. And not just with talent, take the Olympic. If Mr. M could expand, use the spare room he has to increase custom, more people through the door means more money coming into the business, which means more money coming into the building. You're saying that you people want to turn your apartments into shops, said Mrs. Krebs. Think of them as departments, like a department store, said Artie. An apartment store. Selling things to customers for money, said Mrs. Krebs. For an increase in the rent, said Artie. A small increase, said Mr. M. A large increase, said Mr. Krebs. A percentage, said Mrs. Krebs. A small percentage, said Artie. Stanislaus, said so Mrs Krebs. Makes furniture. Mother, said Mr Krebs. Do you, Mr Krebs? said Artie. What do you make? It's a hobby, said Mr Krebs. He made everything in this room, said Mrs. Krebs. He made that coffee table there. Did you now? Artie bent to look at it. Is that top all marketry? Six different kinds of wood, said Mr Krebs, joining in to look at it. The leg is lathe turned, said Artie. And the claw feet? Go after myself," said Mr. Krebs. First few tries were terrible. Looked like my feet. Got the hang of it though. Lydia had never heard Mr. Krebs speak a sentence that long before. What are you working on now?" asked Artie. "Cocktail cabinet," said Mr. Krebs. Ivy snorted, stifling a laugh, and he shot her an offended glance. "I'm sorry," said Ivy. "I didn't mean it. I just never imagined you drinking cocktails, Mr. Krebs, and it seems so strange. I'm a little bit nervous, to be honest. So I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. I do like cocktails, though." So do I, said Mrs. Krebs, which is why my boy is making it for me. It's tricky, said Mr. Krebs, gesturing with his short, thick fingers. Going to be in a curve, see, fit into a corner. Want to do the body in two colours, light and dark, like a drum, but sliding, see? I get you, said Artie, so you can open it. Have you considered a tambour door, so that it just slides round? A tambour? Mr. Krebs frowned. Like slats, you mean, yeah, that could work, that could work. Could you work to order, Mr. Krebs, said Artie. Could you take customers? For the right price he could, said Mrs. Krebs. A furniture department, said Artie, and winked at Lydia. Now wait, said Mr. Krebs. Just wait. Customers. Customers? asked Artie. Down here? Fine. The Olympic? That's fine. But Ivy? Mr. Krebs pointed a finger at her. She lives on the third. That's people on the stair, up past the old ladies, he added with a significant look at his mother. Got to think of all the tenants. This is true, said his mother. We do have to think of all the tenants. You are a credit to your position and the seriousness with which you take it, said Artie to Mr. Krebs. You're quite right, of course. There's the Mrs. Plaisance on the second, Angela and John and are too. But if we can persuade them to agree, then you agree, too. Do we have a deal? For a percentage, said Mrs. Krebs with a twinkle in her eye. For a percentage. The Apartment Store was written and read by me, Tobias Sturt. The music is Tchaikovsky, the Christmas tree from the Nutcracker, sourced from muzopen.com. You can find more at Apple Podcasts, where you can also rate and review us if you'd like. We're also on Stitcher, and soundcloud and of course at our website roritania.co.uk stories and thank you for listening